0: Did you know that the 4th of July is on a Thursday this year? That's going to be a full weekend of fun out on the deck four days. But if your deck isn't what it used to be and you aren't using it for great family gatherings, you need to call my friends at All Weather Decks. All Weather Decks is a 24-time winner of the Angie Super Service Award. And they probably help one of your neighbors. Click on the map link at allweatherdecks.net. Call All Weather Decks today at 913-206-1974 or go to allweatherdecks.net and mention you heard it on 810. Call now and relax.
1: Now it is time for very serious football talk with a man who hates money almost as much as he hates
2: the idea of a healthy sleep schedule. You will find Seth Kaiser everywhere except for in his or your bed because not only does he not sleep, he's also a faithful husband. So that's that's important. <laughs> the man who has so many children, his wife figured he
0: wouldn't even notice if she bought a few chickens and ducks for the backyard.
1: We could have an episode where we just have my children appear on the show I would in love. ascending order. So we'll do like a minute of Lucas. Then two minutes of Isabelle's and three minutes of... Man, I have a lot of kids.
0: The man who does all of this while being a
1: lawyer in a state that has snow all 12 months of the year. Until it freezes... I'm okay. I actually felt very at home driving through southern Iowa. It was snow everywhere, and people were slowing down to, like, 40. It was adorable. I was driving slowly, but I literally was hanging my head out the window screaming, and that was disconcerting. (laughs) It's Seth Kaiser
0: of the Chief in the North newsletter, The Athletic, and the Times Hours podcast on Almost Entirely Sports.
2: Nothing goes down quite as smooth. Like, what's that? A little sip of Seth Kaiser Tuesday? That's wild. I do not even know that had a flavor. Uh, and frankly, Seth, I feel like it's time for you to tell me what flavor this segment of radio should have. It's Seth Kaiser of the uh, Chief of the North Newsletter, MNChiefsFan.Substack.com, on The Athletic, and of course, the Time's Ours podcast. Uh, Seth, what what do you think your flavor is?
1: <laughs> my flavor right now would be deeply uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> and which actually has a tinge of vanilla to it. Oh, okay. it's, uh, it's, it's very it's very bland. It's you know, you don't get a whole lot more bland than 37 year old father of five with a desk job. I'm like I'm like that vanilla flavor shake that you get and you you're like, Oh, that's decent and then the more you drink it you think, Yeah, I really don't taste anything. <laughs> this is this is a shake of nothing. And then you wow. look, it's like, nope, there's three thousand calories in here, but I'm tasting nothing. We've all had that frustrating experience. But really we deserve it for ordering a vanilla shake.
2: I think that's beautiful. I don't have I have no notes other than I was very harsh on yourself, but I get it. We've been friends long enough to know that you being kind to yourself on the radio isn't gonna happen so here's a no. different totally different question i i am taking you here to the the realm of of uh candy flavors so like your your fruity flavors i'm i'm taking like chocolate out of this because i think it's a, a different category but if you could only have if you can only have one fruity flavored candy of of all sorts ever again it's all gonna fall under the umbrella of this flavor what would it be
1: so I not only will give you a flavor, I will give you a
2: specific candy. Excellent, can't wait.
1: It, it would be orange Skittles. Wow! Which, yeah, they are they are without exception the one that that now now my very favorite are strawberry Skittles, but I can't eat as many of them. The flavor gets old a little bit faster. Wow. Whereas orange Skittles. I, and by the way, I am one of those psychopaths that separates. Well, no, I'm someone who's normal, who separates my Skittles. The psychopaths are people that eat a bunch of them at once, like they're M&Ms. They're not the same. Mm. These, they, this is, this is, they're not Reese's species. These are Skittles. They're all different flavored. And so, orange Skittles.
2: Two things. One, <laughs> I absolutely <laughs> will usually take a Skittle, identify what flavor it is and then eat just that Skittle and enjoy just Mm -hmm. that Skittle, that flavor. Sometimes I'll get two of the same kind. Absolutely. That is where I lean. I do think I have to acknowledge that there is a real carnal pleasure to four mystery Skittles and just seeing (laughs) what comes up in your, you know, flavor wise that, Hey, yeah, this is grape, lime, orange, cherry, and I'm loving it. It tastes like the bottom of a snow cone, you know, like there's still,
1: they are delicious.
2: There's good in that. Um, I was gonna say orange though. I did not know that you and I had it. You know, maybe this is the bond that really is going to carry us now. Um, those <laughs> those orange like um, gummy wedges, you know, that are, I don't even know how else you would describe oh, yeah. them. They're very they're very like grandma grandpa's house candy in my mind, but I love those. Um, I love a, a, a orange sun kissed zero yep. now is a huge yep. a big fan of that. One of my favorites. So I, I think that the fake orange might be. Might be the correct answer. It's gotta be citrusy though. You can't go you can't say it's, like grape or banana. No.
1: No. Some kind of some kind of crazy person might. But really when you're talking about the, the predominant fruit flavors of candy, what you have is you've got in some order, you've got orange, you've got strawberry, and you've got watermelon. Um And and although if someone tasted like a watermelon flavored Jolly Rancher or a watermelon watermelon flavored popsicle, you know any of these like kind of candy flavors, and then tasted a watermelon, they would say, "Huh?
2: Yeah, it would be disappointing."
1: That same with strawberries too. Honestly, like like this isn't remotely similar. Whereas with orange flavored stuff, you it's like adjacent. It's 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 still tart. Yeah, it's still tart. It's not close enough to be neighbors, but they're people from the same town who maybe <laughs> went to high school together and never really hung out in the same crowd, but they knew each other's names. Yes. Maybe if they saw each other at the store, they'd have an awkward conversation <laughs> and pretend and remember each other much and then walk away saying, What was that guy's name again? So it's about that close.
2: Is there a flavor that is better in its God's created, honest form than this man-made, flavored, you know, uh, uh, psychedelic trip? Because my, my inclination is to say that the fruit-sugar-added version is more viscerally pleasing than, than the originals in most circumstances, but I'm sure there's an answer.
1: Oh, I, I, I don't know if there's ever one that in its original form— is actually better although i did <laughs> i've never uh, i've never had candy cantaloupe and i find a good cantaloupe delightful and curtis borderline he almost hung up on me when i said that um really? I Said it was one of my favorite fruits yeah i like a cantaloupe. cantaloupe a good cantaloupe now cantaloupe is, it's a lot like bananas yeah. you gotta catch it on the right day yeah you know what Bana- you know what bananas and those little tiny bananas that you can get from, 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 from tropical runts. Caribbean country. Yes. Those. Oh, you're when going to Sorry. Okay. Got it. When, we were going back to when they're perfectly ripe. And you know what I mean? Like yeah. just before they've gotten soggy, but those are better than the candies. Bananas.
2: I like I like fake banana flavor still I think but I'm I'm happy to follow you that I I like regular bananas more so that's this is good I feel like we've really accomplished some things anything else that you had written down on your list of things to accomplish today because we we solved we solved a couple of the main ones that you've been working on since like six a.m. this morning.
1: I, these are actually the problems. As we finish this conversation, I checked off the last of my to-do list, <laughs> so I'm going to go home and go to bed. Hopefully, Jazz doesn't have anything for me to do.
2: <laughs> that sounds good. Honey, listen, last thing. If you could only have one fruit orange, wow, how did you <laughs> How did you know? Uh,
1: no, she would cool. say she would rather have fruit because she doesn't like the taste of sugar. Like My, my wife is disgustingly healthy. It makes me sick. It's like her only flaw.
2: I can think of at least two, but what, uh, <laughs> so uh, I, you, I think at one point or another, and if I'm using this out of turn, you know, I, I don't, I, I mean, I believe I have heard you describe your own wife as being sort of crunchy on occasion, not as yes. a, you know, as a, a health food sort of sense, not as an unbathed yep. sort of sense, you know? Um, yep. but you said she doesn't like the, the flavor of just like sugar. Sh- of sugar here's my here's my confusion. Here's where I'm hung up. I have learned, especially as a person now living walking in this world with type one diabetes, is that there's sugar in pretty much everything that America has ever produced. Like you like your pavement probably if I licked the asphalt outside, there's a decent chance my blood sugar would go up. Because America puts sugar in everything.
1: It does. There's sugar or wheat in literally everything we eat. Yeah. And if if you are to have a conversation with 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 my wife or other crunchy people on this topic, that is probably at the root of approximately seventy five percent of our societal problems. It's like, well, what are they eating? And it's like, well, no. I mean, we just said that they went on an axe murderer frenzy and and you know decapitated <laughs> eighteen people. It's like, well, how much sugar did they have that day? They were probably in, and as someone who has lost their mind in a in a moment of sugar intoxication as it were perhaps you're sympathetic to that sure. but, <laughs> yeah. but, it's, but no that is like the answer to everything it's like our kids behavior is that wow they had a lot of wheat today and i don't know what to do with that as a uh-huh. dad i'm just like i, I yes they have that said, we should probably do something other than you know like I don't know, give them a glass of water <laughs> like i don't I don't know how to unweedify someone, but yeah, sugar's in everything, and jazz's theory is that it is the root of all evil. If you were to ask her, she would say that when Jesus said, love of money is at the root of all evil, she would say the original Greek was actually strohos, which is sugar, <laughs> and we've just turned it into money. All of that is made up, by the way. Please no, don't take that as my official
2: position. I can call Renee in on this also. You guys could really you guys could really get down to the bottom of this, but yeah, I'm pretty sure that's been famously mistranslated for a long time. Right. <laughs> um, and uh, and and the other the other one that i'm surprised you haven't really had to fight more head on um is that the, the 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 verse jesus wept is actually a shortening for a more um western audience the original greek is actually translated to jesus wept because he couldn't have any skittles
1: <laughs> Which whom's among us? And look. has not at one point or another uh, been said skittles. That, that's like my jam. That's I actually don't eat them anymore because I love them so much. Yeah. Because you know I'm a, I'm a Baptist, so
2: that's right. That's how I am with working out. Also, like I love it so much that for my own good <laughs> I had to stop it. <laughs> I couldn't keep doing it anymore.
1: No, yeah, no, I, I completely identify with that. That's actually that—that's what I'm going to use for many things now. Mm-hmm. You know, hon, I just loving the lawn so. I love mowing yes. the lawn so much that. I'm afraid it'll become a vice. That's it. And I don't want to become I don't want to become too worldly.
2: Yes. Yes. I'm just I get so proud of my lawn whenever I look when I'm done. And I think, is that is that a pure pride that I feel? No, I think I want Jerry across the street to know that he has an inferior lawn. And all of a sudden, yeah. honey, this this evil in my heart has led me to go take a big dump on Jerry's lawn. I can't keep living like this. I'm done. Yeah. You're gonna have to exactly. mow for my soul to protect my witness. Yeah. You have to mow. Just to
1: protect my <laughs> I'm, I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah, please. Please do report that's, back. That's where the that's where the theological meets the practical, <laughs> is, is when you present that argument, and she goes, Yeah, that's great. Go mow the lawn, or I swear to God. And then I go, Okay. And that's, oh God, and right, that's okay. the end of the conversation.
2: You've brought the Lord back in, and it does appear that He is on your side. So I guess I will go. <laughs> Mo, do you have a little doggy bag for picking up dog poop? I that wasn't an analogy earlier. I need to apologize to Jerry. Can you make Jerry some cookies? Regular, We've accomplished a lot here. Regular, normal cookies, not like laxative cookies. I can't. I if if we get this one wrong, he'll never trust us again. Although you know what, honey, whenever I'm outside mowing the front lawn, I get very I don't know what it what's the right word. Envious of Jerry's lawn.
1: Oh no. Yeah. no, it's envious. I can't have envy in my life. I'm just trying to be pure of heart. Honey, I and don't know so how to really, say this.
2: I don't know how to say this, but I I recently have been lusting after Jerry's Lawn. I can't think of another word for it.
1: I do not I, I do not want to lust off of Jerry's Lawn. No. I do not want to do that, but I do that thing which I hate. And the thing that I should do, I do not do. I—it's it, one might call me wretched, Josh.
2: <laughs> one might, I might, I might. Anyone who's listened to the last ten minutes of radio might call us both wretched, and I think they'd both oh. probably have uh, a real leg to stand on on that. You want to talk about Patrick Mahomes?
1: I would love
2: to. It's been so long since we have actually talked about Patrick Mahomes on this show. Um, mm-hmm. And it just feels like something. We, this is this is what really brought us all together. And then now here, I don't even, I, I don't know if I had missed it, if you hadn't mentioned this, but whenever it popped up in my inbox a, a, a couple days back, you can, of course, read it on the Chief in the North newsletter. That's mnchiefsfan.substack.com. Uh, I, I saw that the 21, 2021 Patrick Mahomes film review dropped and went, oh, yeah, I, I forgot this was coming, um, and I, I am just very interested to find out kind of what, what you got going into this process, even as you've sure. already noted, like, this was a weird season for Patrick Mahomes, the weirdest season for Patrick Mahomes. So what, before you even get into all the good stuff, what were your, um, your preconceived notions going into this one? Because I have to imagine you had something to shake off.
1: I was curious going in, um, and so what what ends up happening, so with this, the 2021 film review, what it really is, is a compiling of information, right? Mm -hmm. Because the work, the film review gets done during the year. And so every week, you know, I chart every snap. It it feels like it's been a while since I've explained this on the air with you. I chart every snap for things that actually matter to measure quarterback play. Sometimes I feel like we've treated this like it's a victory that's been won, and so I no longer need to explain this side of things. And then I see someone say, well, yeah, but he only completed X percentage of his passes that game. And I say, nope, we have not. (laughs) We have not finished the battle. Your work is not quite done yet. Yeah. So I, I measure things that actually measure quarterback play, separate from everything else. You know, accurate throws versus inaccurate throws, happy feet snaps, you know, bailing out of a clean pocket, that sort of thing, Um, multiple read looks where he really read the entire defense or at least multiple reads prior to releasing, number of flushes where you get flushed out of the pocket before anyone can really come open. These are things to actually separate the quarterback's play from that around him in a way that statistics do not do. And then, you know, here I give the obligatory reference to – a 60 yard screen where the running back does all the work versus a dropped 20 yard out from the opposite hash one is an elite play the other is a play that i could make (laughs) no i couldn't (laughs) let's not go that far one is a play that christian ponder could routinely make because he's an actual professional athlete who's not a good nfl quarterback and the one that gets credited is not the one statistically that's not the one that was actually hard anyway but so I do this and it's you know, it's over a thousand snaps. It's virtually every snap he took this year. I missed a couple of games because of time constraints. And the idea was to look at the averages of these numbers and compare them. I usually compare it to two thousand eighteen because that's the year he kind of took the NFL by storm. And then also look game by game for trends. So that's a long road to a short thought of telling you that I went in with absolutely No real idea what I would find other than he was uniquely bad against Tennessee and in the second half of the AFC Championship. So I tried to really go in there with my eyes completely like wide open, don't know what to expect. Let's find some trends and let's see how it compares to previous years.
2: I will once again then deliver the mandatory disclaimer that everything we talk about here for the next few minutes, you're... I don't know that you can fully comprehend and download all of the necessary information without reading it in the newsletter. So mnchiefsfan.substack.com, bit.ly slash SethReallyHatesMoney. You can subscribe to the newsletter for $12 for an entire year, and that's not just like a sign-up bonus price. That's what it costs. Is If you lock it in now, you'll, that'll never rise up on you if you keep it locked in at $12 a year. So um, mnchiefsfan.substack.com. There are numbers we will not get to here that you will want to read with your eyes. There are parts of the the analysis we will not get to here that you want to read. With all of that being said, um, did you did you come away with a cohesive narrative on the year? Is is this a multi part story? What how how would you uh, how, how are you putting a bow on this?
1: What I would say is, and again. I'm not going to prove it up necessarily with the numbers. The numbers are there. You can go look at them. This is about 30 hours of my life. They can go check uh, your work. Yes. Yep. So you can go check my work. And, and, and that's. I, I feel very confident saying that, and I understand it's you know an article like this, it is behind the paywall, you know, a whole $12 per year. But this is, in my opinion, and I, I have access to a lot of other things, but this is the most generally publicly available, you know, not having to pay 200 or 300 bucks Mm -hmm. for subscriptions to certain other things. I think this is the most information you'll find about Patrick Mahomes in 2021 anywhere. Mm. And I, and I stand by that. I mean, I I put in the work and I charted the work. I, I try to show my work when I do this. So really you should check it out and subscribe. I think this is something that people will really appreciate the sheer volume of information there. It was actually, it took me a couple hours to really just compile it together and, present it and even then like yeah i wrote two or three thousand words about it and it didn't even scratch the surface of really other takeaways you could have here's if here's, I were to here's one more hold on hold
2: on hold on, hold on. i'm going to cut you off before you give that before you give the bow here's the math if you pay twelve dollars for a year for this newsletter and this is the only thing that you read for the if you pay twelve dollars for this story you will pay seth 40 cents per hour of work he put into this story that's true that is not a living um, wage that is not help so and you get so much more than that so that's my there's my last you, plug for the whole newsletter being yeah. the best value in on the internet
1: and well thank you and the other thing is you know these are all based off of the game individual game reviews that i wrote mm. and so if you really think about it i mean it, it's it's just so much work and there's you know 15 16 other columns that you'd be able to look and read more in depth about each individual game so i i think it's worth it but the bow that I would put on this is that for the first time in Patrick Mahomes' career, you, we saw the limits of him being unaffected by his surroundings mm. outside of the, the the Super Bowl against Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Everyone kind of just gave that one up because I mean, it was an unbelievable set of circumstances. He was still elite. That's something to get out of the way. By my charting, he was still exceptional. Uh, You can compare him to the seasons that, like, Tom Brady and Drew Brees and Russ Wilson had in 2018 when they were considered three of the best quarterbacks in the league. You can still compare it validly, his charting on things that actually matter, to Aaron Rodgers' 2011, and it doesn't stack up poorly. But it is different, and that's worth noting that you see the effect that even while he's still an elite quarterback you see the effect that his surroundings had on him while he was put in a couple of very weird positions throughout the year. Mm.
0: What
2: was what, what 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 knocked him off his spot in a way that you are keeping with you going sure. into 2022 cuz I do want to look ahead some cuz again so much of what's looking back is in the story and you kind of touched mm-hmm. the surface of we might look ahead a little. Um and I want to talk about some of that but but where did you go hey we have these full narratives on the cover two stuff and the two high shells. And we have all of the, yep. you know, had a new offensive line that became less new over the course of the year. You have um, obviously the entire receiving core changing. It, it Was there anything throughout that that went, hey, this impacted him maybe more than I expected or or maybe impacted him and he never fully figured it out?
1: So the thing that impacted him a little more than I expected was the fact that his consistency took a dip. If you look at his averaged numbers, there's not a huge change there, um, except in a, a couple places. His accuracy percentage went up, which might surprise some people, but his plays created and his yards created went down, both of which by just enough to kind of be considered a significant amount. And I think what you see reflected there is teams worked really hard to make Patrick Mahomes a paint-by-numbers quarterback. Mm. And he eventually got really good at it as the year went along. That's another thing. People really need to look at the Chiefs' numbers on offense throughout the year. Once they stopped turning the ball over at a historic rate and had a few games of really rough getting used to what teams were doing, they, they moved the ball very well um they their defense didn't do them any favors they were the number one team in in points per drive last year they were still one of the best two or three offenses in the nfl again Mm -hmm. but the thing that affected him early in the year the first few games you can see him getting used to a completely new offensive line with the number of happy heat snaps then you see him adjust to that and then you see him have a couple of games where he just stinks and you don't know what to make of it, and you see a bunch of missed shots, which is how I define a quarterback who is missing an open receiver that based on the progressions and the play call that I can tell, and there's no secret formula there, I could be wrong, I don't think I am, but I could be, that he should have seen. And the Tennessee game really stood out in that he just had a game there where he just wasn't trusting his eyes. And you see the two major developments from last season that affected him – It was, like you said, the the lack of blitzing was something that I don't think you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Teams just stopped blitzing him in a way I've never seen teams do with a quarterback. Mm -hmm. They said, we're never going to do it. And that was something that he feasted on, by and large. The teams that refused to adjust, like the Raiders and the Steelers, he tore apart. So, it was, he became a little less of a playmaker and worked a little better within the confines of the offense. Mm -hmm. To me... That does bode decently well for 2022 in theory because I think we saw a culmination of what happened all season in the playoffs initially until a a second half that is still kind of inexplicable because what happened was he started just painting inside the numbers, snap after snap after snap, and that's reflected in the accuracy percentages and where he was throwing the ball and the lack of potential turnovers like, basically anything, almost anything other than, like, maybe a total, like, six or seven passes on the air that could have been picked off, like, were, it felt like. Mm. He had terrible luck, for the most part. And so you saw a lowering of those types of plays, and you saw a raising of accuracy. He's painting the numbers, doing really well, until he has to. And that's what we saw. The, it culminated in the divisional round, easily the best game he's ever played, by a full, like, 10%, 15% or so. And that's where that's the culmination of it where it's the perfect mix. He paints in the numbers, paints by the numbers, paints by the numbers, until the play call doesn't work, mm. and then he creates something anyway. And it was essentially a perfect quarterback game. So that, moving to 2022, with them having a full offseason with this line, not having to deal with that anymore, knowing what teams are going to be trying to do against them, not having to you know adjust that midseason, the idea is maybe what we saw in the divisional round and maybe the first half against the Bengals is – Something you might expect to see more often moving forward.
2: I think this is going to end up maybe being a little bit uh, of a repeat of some of that, but I want to get specific with it because I, I, I was going to ask about Tennessee and Cincy, and I was going to ask about not blitzing. I was going to ask about how they keyed in on on Travis uh, Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill, and you covered a, a lot of that already. So, at the risk at the risk of of asking you to repeat yourself, is there what would you say is the thing that you take from this? You say, oh man. If I was an opposing defensive coordinator, what I would take away from this would be dot, dot, dot. Sure.
1: What I would take away from it is that teams were able to successfully bait him into bad games. Mm. And he, before this year... Had never had a genuinely bad game. And someone's going to think of some game and want to argue with it. Trust me, by my charting, I've looked at it. He didn't. You don't have to trust me. I guess we could uh, debate the issue. But, like, you know, Indianapolis, and, and that includes, that, that just includes, like, where he got hurt, right, right? Right. Um. You know, he had never had a game where he was genuinely, he played poorly. That happened against the Titans, it happened against the Giants, and then it didn't happen again until second half of the AFC championship, which it's funny because I actually broke down the individual game mm-hmm. for, uh, game breakdown for the AFC championship. I broke down the numbers into two halves, and it looks like two different quarterbacks. And something that people should keep in mind is that the Bengals did drop, so drop eight and rush three multiple times in the first half, and Mahomes absolutely tore it to shreds. So that narrative, like, oh, they tried this new thing and they didn't have an answer, that's not really true. Because they tried it in the first half and it didn't work. But what defenses, if I were a defensive coordinator, I would say, if I do that enough, at least with the personnel they had last year, if I do this enough, if we rush four or three enough, play this ridiculously conservative coverage enough, have my linebackers backing off at the snap enough, disrespect the run enough, they're not going to run the ball often enough or well enough, And it's got to be both. Mm -hmm. And eventually, eventually, he will start to press. And he will start to get a little bit bored. He'll start to lock in on his main guys a little bit too much. He won't trust his guys to win. And you're going to see what happened in the second half against the Bengals. He'll start missing some shots. He won't trust his eyes as much to get a little bit happier feet. But you've got to be incredibly disciplined and incredibly patient and also incredibly lucky because it only worked two or three times in, like, 19 games.
2: Yeah, I think that's great. Uh, I'll, I'll say then to, to sort of pivot um, w- within the same realm, but from the other perspective, do you see some of those things getting easier or more difficult for defenses to do or for Patrick Mahomes to, to fight against trading Tyreek Hill out in for uh, Juju Smith-Schuster and Valdez Scantling and, and Sky Moore? Like, do do you think that there is a 2020 – with this 2022 iteration of the offense looking as different as it's going to, is it going to be the same set of challenges? Is this going to impact how Mahomes does things? What does what the loss of Tyreek Hill do through that specific lens in that specific realm of – Paint paint by the numbers until you need to go outside of them a little bit, which is, you know, that makes that's probably coaching he's heard before, right? You know? Hey, take the easy <laughs> stuff until you have to make the hard throw. Yeah, that sounds good.
1: Cool. Yeah, absolutely. That that's that's life, really, really, right? Right. We take the we take the easy plays until we have to do something hard, and then you just do it until it gets easy again.
2: Exactly. That's, and you just do it successfully any, and you never miss or never get it wrong. It's just really important <laughs> and easy. So uh, Yeah, so um, how does this impact? How does how does this how does this translate with some guys swapping in and out?
1: Sure. Well, losing a guy like Tyreek Hill, who's on track to be a Hall of Famer, and who himself, you can paint by the numbers and throw to Tyreek Hill and gain more yards than you would with anyone else. Mm. There's an inherent advantage to having him on the field. There's an inherent advantage to forcing defenses to play a certain kind of coverages, and they're going to have to adjust to that. Life is different now. The question of how, whether things get more difficult or easier, is going to rest entirely on the shoulders of the two veterans they brought in and the rookie they drafted. You know, barring someone else like having this crazy breakout season, right? Right. You know, if if Josh Gordon suddenly, you know, goes off or, you know what I mean? All these these guys that we're always seeing, you know, Jody Fortson comes back and catches, you know, eight touchdowns and has 1,100 yards. Barring those things, it's going to rest, and it's a boring answer, but it's boring because it's the truth. Mm. Um, It's going to rest on Valdez Scantling and Juju Smith-Schuster being exactly who they were the last few years, being above-average receivers who can threaten the field in specific ways in different areas of the field. Because last year what they had was Hill, who could threaten multiple areas of the field, but just in one place at a time, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. Because he's just one guy. Mm -hmm. Whereas... MVS and Juju, the idea is you can do it simultaneously along with Kelsey doing his usual thing. And then it rests on Hardman and more. If each of those guys plays at the level the Chiefs are anticipating them, it will get easier because last year, and, and, and this is where it's tough to rely on Hardman to do this because last year Hardman was on the roster, and this is still true. Mm-hmm. Mahomes had two guys when things tightened up that he trusted and that was one big difference, I think, from last year's offense to the offense with Sammy Watkins. Even when Sammy Watkins wasn't playing as well as he should have, and and he didn't have the impact that we would have liked to see, but it didn't matter. In those tight moments, that Mahomes had another guy that he was more willing to look at, um, and I think you saw a little change with that with Byron Pringle down the stretch. He saw a little more looks, but it's it still he's not able. He wasn't able to consistently separate. And so that's going to be the big thing. Does he have at least three hmm. guys that he trusts? That's going to matter in answering that question and whether it gets harder or easier for him this year. Do
2: you have a couple minutes to talk about Trey Smith or do I to let you go? You get home and uh, eat some more in Skittles.
1: <laughs> Trey Smith, yes. There, there's another one people can go read. Um, I think I reviewed it was seven or eight games of his charting wins, losses, neutral plays. The idea being to, and this is a weird thing to say about an offensive lineman, to get beyond the highlights. Because he's got a lot of highlights. Yes. Um, And and what I found with him, he has not yet begun to approach his ceiling. Mm. And that's good news and bad news for Chiefs fans. I'll start with the bad news. The bad news with that is that I don't think he was as good as the accolades from Chiefs fans last year. Mm -hmm. and that sounds like a diss, and I feel bad about framing it that way, but that's largely because Chiefs fans painted him out to be an Mm all-pro. And I would be willing to bet, given some of the quotes he's made about himself and the standard he holds himself, I'm guessing he was less satisfied with his play last year than Chiefs fans were Mm -hmm. because the consistency, when you look at it snap-by-snap, the consistency was good, not great. And he has the misfortune of being compared to Creed Humphrey, who was incredible as a rookie, and Joe Tooney, who is a machine, Mm -hmm. who does the same thing every snap. Um, Trey Smith has dominant characteristics and is already a good offensive lineman. The thing is, if he ups his consistency with some things with footwork and bounce, he could be a a top-shelf elite guard he does have some issues with with change of direction but that's not something that's going to stop him from reaching that elite level um with the idea that his role would be a little more restrained than like a will shield who could literally do it all but m- maybe the most fun offensive lineman in the league to watch because he's so mean yeah he's just so mean and it's never not funny
2: you got to watch the clips. Again, those are in the newsletter. There there was one particular thing that you, you kind of touched on that I just don't think we talk about very often around uh, lineman evaluation was how he was given more responsibilities over the course of the year. Because I think that, and we should, you know, if we get some time to talk about it, cool. But I, I think people are going to largely understand here's where he's at his best and here's where he has some weaknesses or whatever. But the idea of a lower draft pick Rookie lineman stepping in, and then you being able to see where he's being asked to do more at the guard position. It's just something I don't think mm-hmm. gets brought up very often, uh, and so I'm I'm just sort of curious what that what what you saw there, or, or how that revealed itself, even if it's not every single detail.
1: Sure, something that I saw more. And some of this was based on the types of pass rushes they they faced, but it also was affected by the types of protections they call. He looked like he was being asked to be put in more one-on-one situations. As a run blocker, he was asked to pull a little bit more. He was asked to participate in a few more combo blocks, climb into space, just do a little bit more rather than just being part of double teams um, or rather than plowing straight ahead. There was just a little bit more. And the Chiefs' run game became more varied as the year went along. They started to do some, like, pin pull stuff and, and things that they hadn't done previously um, and that's that by itself by its very nature expanded his role a bit as well mm. and he did well with it and that's a really encouraging thing to see that okay they trusted him to do this he did well with it so now what's the next step?
2: what's the next step?
1: I think the next step is we're going to see there there we we always assume that um development is linear mm. with with NFL pros. And maybe it will be, but it is a lot to ask of offensive linemen. They have a good offensive lineman coach in yeah. Andy Hack. So I mean they've developed guys well. I assume that'll keep up. What'll be interesting to see with Trey Smith, if he uh, if he is just a little more disciplined with his bounce and his leaning, lunging, really almost a little bit of over aggression. If he's a little more disciplined with that in pass pro, that alone would cut down on a couple of losses for him every game. Hmm. And that's something that I'm sure they're working on with him. So it's going to be about um, – uh, my understanding is with, with Andy Heck, I believe with him it starts with your hips, hmm. not necessarily your, your, your shoulders and upper body. I'd have to rem- – I can't remember how it was explained to me exactly, but he, uh, he, he is really big on being right with your lower body and your core, and the rest of it will follow. And I think that's something that'll be interesting to see with Smith, who didn't need to be right with that stuff previously because he's so much stronger than everyone else.
2: Personally, I think the best way you can get right with your core, with your balance, frankly, get get right with the Lord, uh, is to go to mnchiefsfan.substack.com and subscribe to the Chief of the North newsletter. You can get it on the sale. For just $12 for an entire year, and whenever it renews at the end of the year, I know you're thinking, oh, it's going to be $5,000. Nope, still $12. <laughs> just 12 bucks every year if you lock that price in. And uh, every week I say that a little more menacingly, hoping that it will be the thing that either inspires you to subscribe or that inspires Seth to uh, to eventually raise the prices. So Seth, thank you for being here as always, and uh, and thanks for the the insight, both from um, you know the uh, the Patrick Mahomes film review to Trey Smith's growth and responsibilities to the importance of the orange skittle.
1: Uh, all of them were important in no particular order. So thank <laughs> you for letting me talk about it.
2: Follow me on Twitter at real MN fan, mnchiefsfan.substack.com. fan Seth, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me.
0: Did you know you can listen to Almost Entirely Sports anywhere, anytime? Well, you can. Just search for Almost Entirely Sports wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Almost Entirely Sports.
2: This game is so violent that the congratulatory
1: butt smacks are aggressive. With Joshua Briscoe. Put me straight to the engine reserve with a bruised butt cheek. On Sports Radio
2: 810 WHB. Thanks again to Seth Kaiser, chief of the North Newsletter. You know that. You know where you find him. You know where to go for him. Uh, just always, always a uh, an absolute pleasure, blessing, some would even say, to have him on the show. to talk about all things from Patrick Mahomes to uh, his love of orange Skittles. Uh, there was something... We obviously, you know, short show here. We, we have uh, three hours the rest of the week, though. So tomorrow, Thursday and Friday, we're here from 7 to 10 and uh, expecting to have our, our usual rundown of our, our cast of characters. But there was something that happened, I, I believe, Thursday night. And I, I said to fiance Renee, I said, hold on, I got to send a picture of this to Rudy. And then I never did. In fact, I don't even have a picture of it on my phone now. I'll, I'll um, be able to make the payoff of this perhaps on on Twitter tonight or um, whatever later in the week. I'll at least take a picture and send to you. Ready? I'm excited. But back on Thursday, at some point, we began to have a conversation about what you call a mm-hmm. group of pigs. Um, I, you know, was hoping for a murder. I think you said something about it being a flock, and then we agreed that a fl- it's only a flock yes. of pigs if they're flying. Of course, which they famously they do do frequently. Yeah, we had a long conversation about our, uh, what pigs are called. In our groups. nation's
0: uh, greatest president, Benjamin Franklin, actually yes. just first to discover them.
2: Yes. Also, famous. Uh, this is a famous bit of trivia, but Ben Franklin actually wanted flying pigs to be the nation's national bird. He thought bald eagles were, uh, were, were inelegant and bottom feeders, and so he really thought that pigs should be the national bird.
0: Well, you know how you discover electricity, right? Shock a pig. Well, he, he, didn't, he technically didn't shock the pig. You know, oh. There was a pig flying in the air. He obviously had a string attached. So he didn't want to get too far. There's a key on the string. Sure. Now, along the way, after electricity hit that key, did it possibly go up to the pig? We'll never know.
2: You Listen, Rudy, I've, I've said it once. I've we'll said it a million know. times. You can't make an omelet without breaking
0: a few pigs. And that's how we got bacon. He all, Ben Franklin also invented bacon. He Still, was very proficient. Two pigs with one lightning bolt.
2: Uh, you actually want to uh, feed two pigs, feed one lying pig. yes, Peta yes, could, yes. Peta could be listening. Yes, this, this that it has been just long enough since we did a full rehashing of Peta's <laughs> alternate um, animal-safe terms. It's been just long enough for me to think that we could milk that one more time this one week. One more time, yeah. maybe not right now, but this yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. anyway, That's Thursday. Not
0: a, it's not a bad idea. We are in, we are still in the dead times of sports. I'm so.
2: gonna write. I'm gonna write not down. A, not a bad idea. Peta rehash? Question mark. That's
0: in the Google Doc now. I and mean, hey, there might be more by now, right? We might we might absolutely. get a couple things. Yeah, absolutely. But well, PETA, Peta's not out here sleeping.
2: If there's if there's anything we've learned, there's more than one way to soothe the cat. That one's mine. That's an original. I just came up with that, and I think it's pretty good. I actually think we should probably use that one.
0: When I can't wait till we go to look at this list, and they've stolen it from you. Wow. With no credit
2: Where it's like, it says, more, don't feed a fed horse, RIP Popeye. It's like, wait a second, <laughs> that's our bit. You can't, we made that a bit. So anyway, Thursday I got home. And uh, I can't remember if I got home before Renee did, or if she got home it doesn't matter. I got home. And Renee had said that uh, earlier in the day, she left for work a little early. She's going to go swing by um, uh, savers, I think, because mm-hmm. now she's perpetually on a hunt for wedding things.
0: This is okay. a new fun yeah. sort of thorough
2: line in my life, you know, is that where she's just trying to, like, buy wedding decorations or something or old, anything. something new,
0: something pig that flew. That's
2: exactly right. She's just trying to find stuff to, to you know, get the wedding to where she wants it to be that what doesn't cost ten billion dollars. Yeah. So she went to Savers and got some like candle stands and stuff. Cool, awesome. I don't know if they're having a marketed sale on candle stands <laughs> or what. But she went to Savers to get some candle stands. She got some candle stands. But when I got home, she also said, having just to be clear, she her her savers trip was at like noon that day. Mm-hmm. She said, Also, I got us a friend. Mm. Said, excuse me. And then she gets from, mm. from, well, hold on. She gets from wherever she was hiding all these candle holders. She brings over, I'm going to call it about one foot by about one foot. Not quite square spherical, but pretty close. Oh, no. It is a small, not quite porcelain, but maybe cheap stone. Okay. <laughs> maybe a stone of some sort. It is a small stone stone. Pig with wings. (laughs) I said, Renee, we had like a 30-minute conversation about flying pigs on almost entirely sports tonight. While we were doing that, you you had this in your car like and that i will say you know um our relationship mostly problems at this point you know i mean we're only human but every once in a while i think that maybe there is a glimmer because in the same day i spent a while just on this radio show talking to you about what you call a herd of flying pigs a drove
0: if i believe a drove well
2: drove of pigs it's a flock of flying pigs or a drone you could also say you have a drone drone of flying flying pigs. pigs yeah um so that just simultaneously happened at two different spots in the world. She was going to name it Gabriel after the angel, and then she <laughs> said, Oh, i made a terrible mistake. Its name is Babriel. Because it's, it's Babe and Gabriel. It's, it's,
0: it's I mean it's it's very good.
2: So well, I'm gonna uh, send you a picture of that. I forgot. I forgot
0: funny thing him. a little roundabout about that is then I guess uh uh today I finished watching a uh, polygon video of um Pat and Clayton playing a game like B Simulator. Where that you you can just throw in animals, have them fight, but the way they've been doing it is they've been recreating scenes of movies to make movies better. And today I watched them recreate the movie Babe. So
2: folks, we don't we don't have just, a storyboard. This is just all coming full circle. This is just how this happens sometimes. Wow, that's it's beautiful.
0: It's ma- truly amazing.
2: Um, there was also one other development over my my Fourth of July weekend that I thought I would just sort of run by you, it, culminating last night. I uh, I told you I had, had no interest of ever fully beating Pokemon Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl, the yeah. Switch remake that came out a while back.
0: Mm-hmm. I watched somebody speed run that, by the way. I was <laughs> bored here at work on Friday. If anybody's if anybody important's listening, turn it off. So. Uh, games done quick um, were raising money for Doctors Without Borders. They raised like over $3 million. Wow. Which is absurd. Yeah, that's great. And that was one of the games they played. I was like, wow, somebody beat this in like two hours. That might be the actually the optimal way to play that's,
2: this game. Yes, that is 100%. I wish I could have speedrun <laughs> it. But here's what happened to me. I, I got to the victory tower and the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I think I actually lost... To by the end, I didn't know that I was actually planning for five. I didn't know Cynthia was going to be at the end yeah. of the, the tower. So Jeez. I get through the four, Oof. I get through the four, and then I don't have enough revives and potions and stuff. So she, she's she, uh, Cynthia, right? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah,
0: Cynthia. She's like Garchomp, man.
2: She wipes me out, and then I go fully reload with new potions and revives and everything. And I get back to Cynthia again, and I this time I save there. I then re ran that battle three or four different times. And it was, bu- now partially, this was because I was tired of interacting and, and encountering with Pokemon I already had and didn't care about anymore. Yeah. I was tired of fighting Pokemon. I was tired of catching Pokemon in this game. I do not think that Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl is where I would ever suggest anybody start their Pokemon experience.
0: No. Ilka, I was, by the way, merged with uh, Bandai Namco to make like a new gaming studio. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, I want to know what do you think the implications of that are going to be. Uh, but think I Bandai thinks they're good at making games? <laughs>
2: It should be very impactful. Um, I did eventually beat her, and then I went to mm-hmm. see if I could unlock the. There were some free gifts from oh, yeah, a, a yeah, while yeah. back. Yeah. Um, and I went to go do those things, and I realized that you also have to. Um, I think one of them you have to complete the national decks, and one of them said you have to unlock the national decks. I don't know what yes. that actually does that mean complete i don't here's so, the thing doesn't matter i don't yeah. want to play that game anymore <laughs> but i did do it and and but i will and i will say that i was more frustrated than enjoying it by the end mm-hmm. where i i have claimed that i would like for pokemon to be challenging again you know it's a kid's game and as an adult still playing pokemon i like i would like there to be some resistance mm-hmm. that was that was sort of annoying but also my team wasn't well wasn't great you know what,
0: one of the differences too with that game is like like um I lost it took me a second to beat Cynthia. Um Bronzong is a very um helps neutralize Garchomp a little bit because sure. uh its ground moves don't work against it because it like levitates. Just floating and Incredible. the uh dragon moves just aren't quite as strong. It's so, like I kind of cheated my way, ran away through it, like a lot of a lot of potions just reviving anything because he was just yes. destroying everything else. Anyways, but uh I like that that champion battle that that final four is pretty tough the Abs- problem with yeah. that game is it's just it's the quality of life stuff to get to that point that just beats you down yeah so that once you get to the end you've you've lost a lot of joy and, That's and a it was, good way it was definitely it. different for me i enjoyed it more i would say the most because i never played the originals you did
2: i played i played platinum yes
0: which is five years everybody says something. is by far the st- even still the best version of those games platinum. I, and i enjoyed platinum this was my first experience so like uh, some of the annoyances while plenty of that were still very annoying were offset by the fact that it was all just completely brand new to me. Totally. That's fair. But there are so many things that just beat you down that once you do get to the end there is like there there is a sense of like thank god it's over and yeah. that that's that's never a great way for a game to end.
2: I I basically and I think I ended up with Mew in that game because I had the Pokeball Plus or something. Yeah. Mew could uh, learn a lot of moves from, from Let's Go or something. Yeah, Let's Go. Yeah, I, uh, I, I Mew ended up. I taught them all of my I think moves. I you can learn. learn needed anything. They learned a lot, and it got me there. Yeah. Um. But you're right. That by the end, I wasn't that. I, I just wasn't that attached to my mm-hmm. team. It wasn't that fun of a process. So that is kind of an interesting little thing to, to note. Of like just upping difficulty versus up in the process. I should also point out that I did achieve my my main goal for that game oh yes which is that i did i did beat this one this did increase the the, the the difficulty difficulty. it does i did i did defeat i did beat the game in the traditional sense while never allowing my piplup to evolve
0: (laughs) that will make it more that will make it significantly harder
2: pearl up the piplup got to somewhere (laughs) in the 60s and never evolved from a piplup and did continue to be at the helm of my party.
0: You know what would have been real helpful in and that empo- last battle. Some ice moves. That Empoleon would have been real helpful.
2: And an with some ice moves <laughs> would have really yeah. would have really rounded but that hey, out.
0: You had a goal, you had a dream, I did you it. accomplished it.
2: And so I I don't know, yeah, I don't I don't know what um we were doing something around the station earlier today that I that is not relevant or or being brought into this fully, but I, I have my Switch in here today, mm-hmm. and I opened up Legends for literally a couple of minutes, and one of the only Pokemon that I ran into was a, uh, a Shiny Paras. Which, so, which is so awesome. I, I did just stub my toe on a Shiny Pokemon today, and it kind of reminded me, like, oh, yeah, Legends is sort of this big, fun world that yeah. I should dive back into. Instead of trying to do anything else in Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl.
0: Yeah, I would say that. I, I would say if you need a Pokemon game to, to fill your time between now and Scarlet Violet, I would play Snap on the emulator because it's very, it's I just just, it's short, it's easy, it's 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 pretty enjoyable. Um, Snap 2, the new Snap, not Snap 2, new Pokemon Snap is fun. Um, and then Legends. I mean, Legends is a, is, is a very good game. And I think uh, Scarlet Violet's going to definitely, I think it's definitely going to take some things, obviously, from that. I hope the good things that make that game fun.
2: I think, uh, I think the new snap might be a, a, a jump that I make mm-hmm. later in the summer, is For sort sure. of what I'm yeah. thinking. I was going to see what your where your experience with Red was. I'll let you decide how much show we have left here, but you, yeah. you had an update uh, on, on your Red playing. I'll this wasn't p- supposed to be a full Pokemon segment, yeah. but it kind of is. It was I'll, a pig segment first.
0: Yeah, I'll go, I'll go quickly. Um, But yeah, it, it is a it is a grind like any old JRPG game is.
2: And you're playing this on the, yeah, the Game on the, Boy yeah, Advance. Yeah, no, sorry. no yeah, you're sorry. Yeah. You're, you're, I'm playing,
0: the, you're the, playing the, the virtual console on the 3DS. I'm sorry, I forgot you were Yes. playing on the 3ds uh, but like it's a game i haven't played since i was like eight or nine and and it's while it's a it's a grind at times it doesn't have necessarily the super annoying things that uh brilliant diamond had it has some some little things where i'm like oh i forgot that you had like a limit the, the amount of items you can carry but like i'm enjoying playing it for a couple hours here and there just picking it up putting it down it's it's a bit of a challenge and it's it's fun I enjoy it. It's fun playing going playing a a game that you played when you were 10, right? Yeah touch since then. Yeah
2: Most of those are like Mario or NFL Street 2 for me. I did briefly play recently and that game still rules NFL Street 4 can we make that happen? I know everyone's tired of Madden Let's just get another NFL Street game out here or just port over the other ones on the GameCube We'll continue that campaign for NFL Street to uh, to be brought to next gen consoles tomorrow night. They got shows the rest of the week. They're all 7 to 10. We'll talk to you then. Till then, bye, Mom! <laughs>